Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality, and that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Monday, August 28th, 2023, the 950th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. The only way to do that is by becoming a paid subscriber at I'm your moderator.substack.com. You can do so for as little as $50 a year or $5 a month. And in doing so, you will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And if you can't, or you simply don't want to, continue listening to the podcast for free a couple days later on a wide variety of podcast platforms, and of course, Rumble, 
All I ask is that you share it with your friends. You can find the links to the podcast, the writing, the social media, and the merch site by visiting linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. So on Friday, we talked about how many things were currently upsetting the establishment, and I was focused mostly on the Uniparty left. But the Uniparty left are not the only people having a hard time with essentially everything that happens at this point. The Uniparty right has begun to freak out, and it's honestly hysterical to me. Now, virtually no one watched the debate on Wednesday night and thought that Ron DeSantis won that debate. It's basically impossible to think that, which is why all the stories coming out after the debate were about Vivek Ramaswamy and about how many massive blunders were afflicting Ron DeSantis. He seemed to disappear for long stretches at a time while everyone focused on Vivek. He was the target. And by targeting him, they actually elevated him to a position of more importance than Ron DeSantis, who is now regularly seen at third in the polls and is now fourth in the polls in New Hampshire, behind even Chris Christie. He had terrible moments when it came to whether or not he planned to pardon Donald Trump. He needed to look around the stage at the other competitors to see what they were going to do before he made his decision. He couldn't give a direct answer on abortion. He refused to answer the question. He avoided a question about whether or not he would continue funding Ukraine. And he just instead said that Europe should pay more. And then there was the moment where the moderators asked all of the contestants to raise their widow hands in a display of whether or not they are going to obey the central narrative when it comes to man-made climate change. Ron tried to dive in front of a bullet to save everyone. We don't want any of the Republican establishment going visually on the record when it comes to man-made climate change. Sure, we'll answer questions about it and try to distract people in order to prevent actually answering the substance of that question. But we'll talk about it. We will go through our approved talking points and we'll make sure that we take a very assertive, forceful, confident position that no one will actually comprehend. We will give the answer. And once we are finished, everyone who has received our answer will still be left having no idea where we stand on the issue. That is principled establishment conservatism in 2023. That's what it's all about. Never back down, you know. Now, one might suspect that after this disastrous performance, they would try to find something else for Ron to do so that people would stop talking about how bad he is at politics. It would be a good time to see Ron being a strong and forceful governor. Not that he has been a governor in Florida at all this year. He ran for governor last year and started his shadow campaign before the midterm election that reelected him. It was already clear that a formal comms operation was in place to elevate Ron and go after Donald Trump and accuse him of losing the midterm elections and all of the rest of the nonsense accusations and the BS narratives that they have attempted to use over these last now 10 months of abject failure, taking 
Ron DeSantis from one of the rising stars in American politics to a person whose career is very likely over. He is in single digits nationally in many polls. He is in fourth place now in the latest poll out of New Hampshire, and he's something like 30 or 40 points behind Donald Trump in Florida. So how is the establishment going to fix this problem? How is the media going to fix this problem? Well, Ron has spent most of the year in Iowa pretending to run for president, and they sent him out to the Field of Dreams the other night where Ron played baseball in his elevator cowboy boots. Ron seems to be more into his shoes than the Sex in the City ladies. But Meatball Ron walked out of the cornfields onto the diamond, and he was asked about the split screen of him on the Field of Dreams while Donald Trump is being arrested in Fulton County. So now, what do you think about this split screen of you here in the Field of Dreams and former President Trump uh, being arrested in Georgia? Well, I'm glad I'm at the Field of Dreams. I'm happy to be here. Is it all brilliant kayfabe? Is Ron one of the best actors ever? Hey, guys, maybe, maybe, right? Maybe. But otherwise, Ron DeSantis is trying to make light of a former president enduring a political persecution and prosecution being arrested on a RICO conspiracy indictment for attempting to overturn the safest and most secure election of all time. And all Ron has to say is he's glad he's at the field of dreams, taking publicity photos with his wife and kids running a campaign straight out of 2012. I mean, they're making him look like he might as well be Mitt Romney. They're having him do all of the traditional political campaign things. Go pretend to be one of the normal people out with the little people. Go around and pretend to be a farmer in Iowa. Go sling some pizzas in New York. Go make certain that everybody knows you're the guy to have a beer with. Now, that wasn't all for Ron DeSantis over the last few days. He's got a lot going on. It's giving him an opportunity to look extremely competent. Sure, he got elected and then immediately started running for president and hasn't paid attention to Florida barely at all. He's been in Iowa the whole time. He's busy operating probably the worst campaign in the history of presidential politics. And now he gets to be super responsible about very natural disasters. The mainstream media was running headlines like this one yesterday. DeSantis leaves campaign trail and returns to Florida amid crises. This is from CNN. And it might make you recall when John McCain left the campaign trail back in 2008 so that he could really focus in as an Arizona senator on the 2008 financial crisis. It was so important that he just could not keep campaigning. The country needed John McCain. And oh, they got him. And did he do anything? No, no. He uh, had cameras film him having a meeting. But boy, oh boy, what statesmanship he displayed. CNN says, with a tropical storm intensifying in the Gulf of Mexico and Florida's largest city reeling from a racially motivated attack that left three black people dead, Governor Ron DeSantis left the campaign trail Sunday and returned to his state to navigate the crises. DeSantis spoke Sunday afternoon from the state's Emergency Operations Center in Tallahassee, 
to brace Florida's Gulf Coast for tropical storm Adelia, which could make landfall as a hurricane as early as Wednesday. Before speaking on the storm, DeSantis read a statement addressing the attack at the Dollar General store in Nashville. Ron had this to say on Saturday. Speak with Sheriff T.K. Waters in Jacksonville about the horrific shooting that took place. The shooting based on the manifesto that they discovered from the scumbag that did this was racially motivated. Uh, he was targeting people based on their race. Uh, that is totally unacceptable. Uh, this guy killed himself rather than face the music and accept responsibility for his actions. And so he took the coward's way out. But we condemn what happened in the strongest possible terms. We've offered support for uh, Sheriff Waters and the city of Jacksonville. And we send our condolences to the victims and their families uh, who were the victims of, uh, of a very cowardly act. So Ron wants to let you know in the strongest possible terms that murdering someone because of their race is totally unacceptable. And I guess that everyone would agree with that. I think it's also worth noting that murdering someone in general is totally unacceptable. He also wants everybody to know that they found a manifesto. He has read it or at least someone read it and told him about it. And he is certain that this is a race-based shooting. Now, is it? Hey, maybe. But over the last few years, these major shooting stories that have some sort of identity characteristic element to them have not gone so well for the regime and for the media who is trying to capitalize on these events. And we don't actually need to know a whole lot about the event to know what they're trying to achieve in a narrative sense. And we can hear what they're trying to achieve with Ron DeSantis' statement about the events. Now, that was from Saturday. So did he know a whole lot about the event? No, he sure didn't. But he was immediately ready to place his faith in the official story about the motivation for this reported shooting. Now, it's possible that he's in a position to know. It's possible that he's right. But that statement doesn't sound sincere or genuine. And if we find out that he jumped the gun on any of this, that is going to look absolutely horrible. We'll have to see how that develops. But he's sounding just a little bit woke, which is strange for someone in Florida who knows that Florida is where woke goes to die. Now, maybe it's because he's been spending so much time in Iowa that the woke has been revived. He just arrived back in Florida, so maybe it will die really soon. But Ron is sounding just a little bit woke. Now, I don't want to be insensitive to the victims of this shooting, and that's why I'm not going to talk about the shooting, because we don't really know enough about the shooting in, what, now 48 hours, roughly? I think we've all seen enough of these to avoid that booby trap. Leave every bit of the narrative about that shooting open for question, including the reality of the underlying event. There was a vigil today in Florida that Ron attended. He gave some remarks. It didn't go well. Here it is. Well, thank you for doing this. I want to just say to the councilwoman, 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 
I got you. Don't worry about it. We've already been looking uh, to identify funds to be able to help, one, make sure there's adequate security for Edward Waters College. We are not going to allow these institutions to be targeted by people. We... Okay, listen, y'all. Let me, let me tell you, we finna put parties aside. Because it ain't, it ain't about parties today. A bullet don't know a party. So don't get me started. Okay, Jacoby is nice, but Ann is not. Now and of course, Ron's defenders are saying, well, he's in urban Jacksonville. Of course, they're not going to like him there. Maybe they've just been fooled by the media portrayal of Ron. And these are all Democrats. They're just not going to like him. So they booed him a little bit. They said the blood is on your hands. Maybe it was all done for a communist stunt. Maybe they were trying to make Ron DeSantis look bad. And they're trying to score some points in the gun debate. Is that possible? Sure, it's possible. Are there enough fake things happening these days to suggest that maybe this is fake too? Of course, but it still does not look good for Ron to be rescued by a councilwoman after he had just promised to give them money for some reason. Now, again, not making light of shootings and we can have sympathy and send our prayers to the families of the victims. But I'm not exactly sure how a governor promising a councilwoman money is going to solve that problem or prevent one in the future. And I don't mean to besmirch this councilwoman who was elected in Jacksonville in what I'm sure was one of the most legitimate elections of all time. But she just got promised some money by the governor, and then she jumped in and took the mic from the governor so that she could scold the people on the governor's behalf. Now, again, to the extent that the people were doing something sincere that they believed in, they sure don't need to be scolded by a councilwoman. I mean, how backwards do we have things in this country at this point that we believe it's the politician's responsibility to tell the people what to do and think? That is what you just saw on display there. So he's in Iowa at the Field of Dreams, ignoring questions about Trump playing baseball for a photo op with his family, trying to make him look like just an average Joe. And then he McCain's his way back to Florida because he has to handle these crises. He has to give money to this councilwoman in urban Jacksonville, and he has to declare a state of emergency to deal with a potential hurricane that might hit on Wednesday, Hurricane Adelia. In Politico on Saturday, DeSantis declares state of emergency ahead of approaching Gulf Storm. Ron said, I signed an executive order issuing a state of emergency out of an abundance of caution to ensure that the Florida Division of Emergency Management can begin staging resources and Floridians have plenty of time to prepare their families for a storm next week. I encourage Floridians to have a plan in place and ensure that their hurricane supply kit is stocked. Now, might they get a very bad and destructive storm? Let's hope and pray that they don't. But if it ends up like, let's say, last week in California, what we're going to see is Ron DeSantis 
coming back to Florida from the campaign trail, McCaining his way all the way back to show how in command he is in the state he's not really governing to condemn the racial element in a shooting that we very honestly do not know much of anything about right now and to legally enhance his own powers as governor and his own ability to distribute funds as governor in order to seem prepared for a storm that may not happen. And again, might be a big storm. Maybe Ron has nailed it. But until that happens, we are staring at the possibility that he did all of this as a campaign photo op to get people distracted from the fact that he absolutely flopped in the debate. Now, I talked about how in the wake of that debate, most people agreed with their own eyes and chose not to lie about what they saw. And they realized that Ron DeSantis did not have a good night. There were pieces that claimed Ron DeSantis just merely held serve. That's all he had to do as the person in the lead. But he's not in the lead. He's 30, 40, 50, 60, in some places, 70 points behind Donald Trump. He's not in the lead. Being the lead out of those eight people on stage doesn't matter. He couldn't distinguish himself from any of those candidates. It's not enough to hold serve. And the polling for as much as you might respect it or not, in the wake of that debate, has continued to drop for Ron. It's so bad that Ron DeSantis's simps online are celebrating polling that showed Donald Trump lower than last week, that the arrest and the Tucker Carlson interview didn't actually help Donald Trump, as most people in the world are clearly observing. It actually made him lose like two points and they're celebrating. But in the same poll, Ron's numbers also went down because that's where Ron's numbers go. They go down and his various supporters online and at various media outlets, the establishment types in national review, the daily wire people. And of course, his ridiculous, pudgy, dorky little online spokesman, Steve Deese, all concocted very complicated and convoluted explanations of why Ron DeSantis actually won. And the debate showed why Ron DeSantis is ultimately going to win the nomination. And I want to mention something that I'm not quite sure I've talked about before. So we have a GOP establishment that absolutely does not want Donald Trump to be the nominee to the point where they might deprive Donald Trump from becoming the nominee. There's actually a Republican secretary of state in New Hampshire right now who's trying to take Donald Trump off the ballot in New Hampshire so that he cannot become the nominee. His name is David Scanlon. They don't want him to be the nominee, but how far will they go? Will they rig elections? Absolutely, they will rig elections. Will they participate in mass media stories to make Ron DeSantis look like he's handling things properly? Absolutely. And I'm suggesting not sure, but suggesting just something to look out for. I could be wrong. We'll know in the next few days. But if I'm not wrong, then they're participating in a mass media story right now to elevate Ron DeSantis. I even suspect that they are going to use the rerun of the COVID pandemic to elevate Ron DeSantis. If the communists come out pretending it's the deadliest pandemic of all time and Ron is very forceful in Florida, saying that Florida will not 
mandate masks or mandate vaccines. Florida will never lock down. And he will try to bring forth the narrative that he was actually the best governor during COVID, even though he wasn't, except on TV. I can see all sorts of mass media attempts to elevate Ron, especially in his handling of COVID, especially in how competent and confident and responsible he looks handling these big issues in Florida. And because Ron is basically seen as part of the regime now, he now comes with some of the problems that afflict the regime in their opposition to Donald Trump. And one of those things is that anything positive they try to do ends up becoming a negative for him. And that is why, despite all the dirty tricks and the campaign resets of the last 10 months, Ron's numbers continue to go down. People have already decided what they think of him and especially what they think of him in relation to Donald Trump. He is ignoring and denying and attempting to exploit in the wrong direction. The most important issue in our society right now, which is that we don't have real elections. There isn't really any coming back from that, but they don't understand it. And his promoters in the establishment conservative media at all those outlets like Daily Wire, like these establishment conservatives on Twitter and elsewhere, they just keep pushing and they keep pushing with this air of supreme confidence bordering on invincibility. And you have to wonder, as a coordinated and controlled communications effort, a regime guided narrative and info op, whether they have been told to push forward with this because the regime just is planning on rigging and stealing this primary nomination in the GOP for Ron DeSantis. I have wondered about that for a long time. And the fact that they are still going and that none of them have dropped out to endorse Donald Trump and speak out about the injustice, speak out about the stolen elections is pretty shocking. Now, again, is it all kayfabe? Is this all a pro-Trump effort? Are they attacking Trump in all the worst possible ways to make Donald Trump ultimately look good as a sympathetic character? I'm totally open to that argument, and maybe it is possible. But if that's not it, these are the worst people on the planet, and they seem to be trying to convince people that something will happen that will make Ron the nominee. Their campaign is almost entirely negative against Donald Trump. People aren't buying it. The polls are decreasing for Ron continuously, and they haven't slowed down. They want to keep acting like they are an actual majority. They say the polls are completely and totally wrong. Most all of the country is lined up against Donald Trump and that Ron will ultimately win. But Ron's not even in second place anymore. So how can they make that argument? Even if people really settle into the idea that Donald Trump mentioned in the Tucker interview last week, that there were people who like his policies, but not him. If that's the case, if they don't like Trump's brash authenticity and they want a clean and polished yet totally insincere candidate, they would just switch to Vivek Ramaswamy because he keeps being a proponent of the same policies. They're not going to gravitate toward Ron after all this. But all these guys seem incredibly confident to still be going after Donald Trump at this point. 
and claiming that Ron DeSantis will absolutely be the nominee because ultimately he has the best chance of winning. He's not even in second place anymore. He's not even the most popular candidate out of the non-Trump candidates. So the thing is either completely and obviously rigged. I mean, it's completely and obviously rigged either way, but completely and obviously rigged to be stolen for Ron DeSantis or all of these people are completely out of touch. And truthfully, it could be both. Donald Trump had a very interesting truth social post on Ron DeSantis this morning, and he initially had a misspelling in the post. He misspelled rumor, R-U-M-O-R, as R-O-O-M-E-R, like Laura Loomer, but without the L. Anyway, here was the post. Rumors are strong in political circles that Ron DeSanctimonious, whose presidential run is a shambles and whose poll numbers have absolutely crashed, putting him third and fourth in some states, will be dropping out of the presidential race in order to run in Florida against Rick Scott for Senate. Now, that's an interesting one, isn't it? And that is an interesting one. I thought he was just reelected as governor of Florida nine months ago. He launched his shadow campaign for president before he was reelected as governor of Florida, he promptly left the state and has spent most of his time, quote unquote, campaigning, if that's what we have to keep pretending this is. And now he's going to run for Senate. It's like he's not even governor. You have to wonder how badly he wants to be in the federal government rather than running his extremely successful state. That he loves so much. It's strange, huh? You really have to wonder what's going on behind the scenes to make all of this so very strange. Or hey, it could just be that the GOP establishment and all their media and everyone around Ron DeSantis are completely out of touch. And they are completely out of touch. So let's just keep going with that for a second. I just mentioned the Trump interview on Tucker Carlson. Now, most of the focus from that interview has been about the ratings, and we discussed that last week. The numbers for Donald Trump, the view numbers on Twitter now are something like 275 million, whereas the numbers for the Republican debate are like 11 million. And there are plenty of problems with all those numbers. As I discussed last week, we cannot assume that 260 million people watched the Trump Tucker interview or even anywhere close to that number. There is no doubt a lot of people watched it, but we can't know how many. Still, it is fairly obvious that more people saw that and engaged with that than they did with the Republican debate. I mentioned how the Ron side of things was attempting to revise what people saw with their own eyes in that debate. And there has been a great defense of Ron over the weekend. There was one of the Republican commentators on CNN. I cannot remember his name. I think it's Scott something. He actually came out saying that at first he believed Vivek had won. But after giving it some real thought, he has determined that Ron DeSantis actually won. That's ridiculous. So they're trying to prop him up relative to the debate. And at the same time, they want to minimize Donald Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson. Now, I was looking for a Tucker clip on YouTube the other day and YouTube's algorithm fed me 
a video featuring Daily Wire's own Ben Shapiro, as YouTube's algorithm has long been known to do. Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire guys predominantly avoid all of the censorship problems the rest of us have had to deal with over the last few years. It's like they're not saying anything that the regime finds all that dangerous. Oh, I know. Sometimes they pretend. And Matt Walsh's trans content, Matt Walsh is, by the way, the world's biggest producer of trans content. His very, very dangerous trans content gets slightly downgraded sometimes. That's how you know they're keeping it real. It's like when a rapper gets little teardrops tattooed on his cheek. It's rather amazing that during the times of probably the greatest censorship efforts in our country's history, unless, of course, there are parts of our history we haven't been taught correctly about, the Daily Wire guys do so well that they end up just naturally making a million dollars a week each by dishing out promo codes on razors. But YouTube feeds me a Ben Shapiro video. Now, it's not a Daily Wire video. It's a Young Turks video. And you might think, oh, those Young Turks communists are probably very, very upset about Ben Shapiro. They're probably talking about how he's a very, very bad guy because he said something bad about the wokes. But no, they're just agreeing with him. Let's take a listen. As principles, obviously, he speaks about them regularly. This would have been a great opportunity for him to ask the former president and leading Republican candidate about some of those principles. He didn't do any of it. Instead, he sort of, I mean, how soft were the softballs that Tucker was throwing to Donald Trump? He asked Donald Trump to rip on Mike Pence by suggesting that Donald Trump had always been very nice to Mike Pence. This question is so bizarre. I, like, I don't even know what to say about this. Tucker Carlson's interview with Donald Trump was so bad, even conservatives like Ben Shapiro are criticizing it. But here's a little bit more of Ben Shapiro apparently in disbelief that a grifting conservative did exactly what grifting conservatives do. It's Tucker's question that's absurd. You've always been nice to Mike Pence? The actual f What? You've all, what? Oh? Hey. Okay, for those who have a memory of a goldfish, let me remind you of a time when Donald Trump suggested, nay, said outright, that Mike Pence had the unilateral capacity to overthrow an American election, essentially called him a coward, suggested that he would be forced to do so. And then when Mike Pence called him from the Capitol building on January 6th, because the Capitol building was under assault, he basically did nothing. Uh, he was always, you were always very nice to Mike Pence is one of the craziest Orwellian statements I've ever heard. You were always very nice to Mike Pence is an insane statement. And Ben Shapiro even went so far as to suggest the questions that should have been asked. Uh, so one was the question to Trump should be, okay, how are you going to unsteal it, right? That's like a question that whether you love Trump, whether you hate Trump, like that's a really good question that Trump has never answered. You say the election was stolen in 2020, but you won, but it was stolen, but you won. So let's say the same thing happens this time. What is your plan to unsteal the election? Is that the question Tucker asked? No, he asked him questions like, why are people so mean to you? Um, although personally, I think the question that should be asked is, can you provide us with evidence that the election was stolen from you? Um, but Ben Shapiro rounded up his segment by describing the interview uh, between Tucker and Trump with the same word that I've incidentally been using to describe the Ben Shapiro show for years, propaganda. 
that, that's not counter programming. I'm sorry. That really is not. I mean, it's just a propaganda 45 minute softball for, for Trump. That, that's all that is. I mean, just realistically speaking, you may love it. Maybe that's your bag, but that's what it is. And that, how are you simultaneously so brave and yet so humble? And that, that, that's what that interview was. I'm, I mean, he's being hyperbolic, but Jenk, that is exactly what the interview was like. I don't even think it's hyperbolic. Like, I, I think it's pretty much exactly what happened. Um, so that's two times in the last week I've agreed with Ben Shapiro. So check whatever multiverse you're in. Isn't that incredible? The Daily Wire and the Young Turks just regularly agreeing now. You just heard Ben Shapiro repeat every single part of the official story and the central narrative surrounding January 6th and Mike Pence's role on that day. He just suggested Donald Trump asked Mike Pence to overthrow our country. That's Ben Shapiro saying that at the very, very conservative Daily Wire. And in the ears of Daily Wire listeners, Ben Shapiro being a quote unquote conservative and agreeing with the left on certain things means that the thing is actually true because Ben Shapiro, he knows about the Constitution. He's an attorney in the same way that his wife is a doctor and knows about the vaccines. And that's why he recommended it to everybody and then blamed the experts for getting it wrong, even though he told everybody that his wife is a doctor and wouldn't be getting it wrong. But Ben Shapiro is a lawyer, which means he knows about the Constitution, which means when he agrees with the left about the Constitution, Ben Shapiro and the left are both right. Ben Shapiro would never lie when it benefits the left because he's such a staunch conservative. But now in Ben Shapiro's mind, Donald Trump and Tucker Carlson coordinated on a propaganda effort. It wasn't counter programming. It was propaganda. Ben Shapiro wants to know. What is your plan to win the next election if you say the last one is stolen, but you also say you won as if somehow those are inconsistent or incompatible? Is Ben Shapiro running a kayfabe operation, an information operation where he is just slowly guiding people toward the truth while getting paid a million dollars to never upset the regime with anything he says? and never get censored anywhere? Is that what he's doing, just an info op? Or is it possible that Ben Shapiro, as part of the conservative establishment, an extremely well-paid mouthpiece of that establishment, might just be the controlled opposition he always, always, always seems to be? It doesn't matter that he says he agrees with Trump on some things sometimes. If you want to know why conservatives are stuck years behind, not understanding the stakes, not understanding Donald Trump, the man, or Donald Trump, the president, or what he actually accomplished, this is why. These guys were never Trump. Then while Trump was in office, they were sometimes Trump whenever their interests aligned, which means that Donald Trump would just do something that the establishment and the regime approved of. Is Ben Shapiro somehow going to suggest that the media is too soft on Donald Trump just because Tucker had an actual person to person conversation with him about things Americans actually do care about?
Did they hit every possible issue? No, they didn't. But Tucker does not have to fact check the president on behalf of the global regime just because the regime is going to get upset when he doesn't. Ben Shapiro certainly has a large platform. Why can't he get an interview with Donald Trump? And hey, maybe he will before this election next year. But if he doesn't get one, why would that be? Is it because he lies about Donald Trump's record? Is it because he lies all the time about MAGA? Is it because he is just a regime stooge and controlled opposition who never lost his platform and gets paid a million dollars a week to keep conservatives, well-meaning people who just probably don't have time to properly consume information and they turn to the Daily Wire because everyone else turns to the Daily Wire to keep all of them in the dark? Yeah, maybe that's why. But who knows? Maybe Trump will grant Ben Shapiro an interview so Ben Shapiro can ask all of those very important questions that will push Ben Shapiro's narrative forward. Ben Shapiro can give a real hardball interview to Donald Trump, show everyone that he's brave enough to go toe to toe and he's not going to get pushed around. He's going to say all of the things that the regime has to say right to Donald Trump's face. Again, these people are totally out of touch. It is very strange that he is trying to lead people out of their own natural reactions to what they themselves saw. Imagine who he must be appealing to, the sort of person that would watch that interview and be like, oh, yeah, that was kind of interesting. Trump was pretty funny. He seemed like he was pretty composed. He didn't seem all reckless or egomaniacal. He took the questions seriously. He thought about them. He answered them. He had a few jokes in there, a few quips, a few funny moments. That wasn't half bad. Okay, well, now let me turn to the trans news network, The Daily Wire. I'm going to put on Ben Shapiro. Hey, folks, that interview that uh, you thought you liked, that everybody watched with Tucker Carlson, that actually wasn't even counter-programming. No one cares about that. No one cares about it. It's just propaganda. All that happened was... Tucker just lobbed softballs right over the center of the plate. And Donald Trump, ah, I guess he was, he was probably hitting singles into the short outfield. What he should have done is ask Donald Trump the real hard questions like, hey, Trump, <laughs> I hear that you are really stupid and unpopular. Do you know who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs? Hey, Trump, I bet you can't answer that, can you? You don't watch enough Daily Wire, do you, Trump? Yep, yep. Hardball stuff. Real serious stuff over at the outlet of the world's number one producers of trans content. Now, everyone is, of course, familiar with Oliver Anthony's song, Rich Men North of Richmond, which became a huge viral success online. And I think it's a great song. Now, a lot of people have noted that it is quite clearly an op of some sort. And I agree with that. There is no way someone goes from absolute obscurity and is actually poor to all of a sudden having the biggest song in the country on the back of a very well-produced song and music video backed by a massive media outreach operation. It is quite clear that that song was launched professionally as a springboard for Oliver Anthony. I don't know what his financial status is or his past is. I'm not going to say he was a complete and total plant, but the story about him just being this poor kid with a guitar who did this all himself and is now the biggest musician in the country seems to be 
just a little bit off. Now, again, I really like the song. It is touching something in the zeitgeist right now in the American soul and the American spirit. And the thing is, when you are consuming art, you are going to apply it to your own experience. That is what makes it meaningful for the individual. So it doesn't actually matter in some large sense what is happening with that song as long as people aren't getting sucked into a thing where then they can be led in the wrong direction by their, you know, idol worship of this brand new music star. You might learn things that make you not want to listen to his music anymore. I've experienced that plenty of times, including with artists I really liked. But I think it's possible on some level to separate the two and be able to consume and enjoy the art without becoming part of a pop phenomenon. Now, a lot of conservative incorporated media and the establishment tried to take this song and run with it believing that this song was all about conservatism, as if the establishment somehow has anything but an adversarial relationship with populism. We have watched that now for eight years. Donald Trump is a populist trying to appeal to all of America. That is why he's attacked by the uniparty left and the uniparty right. The last thing the Uniparty wants is for the majority of the American population to understand who the real enemy is and realize it's not each other. Once that happens, the propaganda breaks down. People can actually talk about the morality of these underlying issues rather than representing all these various moralities they don't care at all about because they're most concerned with their team affiliation. The GOP establishment has been lined up in opposition to that the entire time. But because populists in the country gravitated toward Trump and have not left Trump's affiliation with the same Republican Party that the establishment, quote unquote, conservatives are affiliated with means that they have some claim to Republican populism, but they don't because they've opposed it at every turn. Now, Oliver Anthony released a video over the weekend saying that it actually bothered him to have those eight establishment hacks up on that stage pretending to associate with his song because he said, these are the exact sorts of people I'm talking about. These are rich men north of Richmond. He said he didn't appreciate that conservative media was trying to claim it as their own. He said he's not affiliated with either side. He doesn't like either side. And so conservative establishment media has freaked out. Last week, the world's leading producer of trans content, Matt Walsh, said that Oliver Anthony's song, Rich Men North of Richmond, was the protest song of the generation. But now he's hurt because Oliver Anthony disavowed that sort of thing. And he got upset on Twitter. So did Mike Thurnovich. They were wondering why Oliver Anthony didn't want to be best friends with them just because they wanted to be best friends with him. And of course, that is what attention farmers will always do. They'll see, oh, I see you have the number one song in the country. Would you like to be co-opted? Do you want to come on my show so I can ask you if you know who has the wee-wees and who has the hoo-hahs? I mean, what a week's worth of Daily Wire headlines that would be. Number one music star in the country says he knows who has wee-wees and who has hoo-hahs. 
finally a champion of our trans agenda. I mean, you know, anti-trans agenda. It's it's not the same thing. Promise it's not the same thing. Yes, I know that the Uniparty left focuses on the trans agenda 24 seven because they want to call us bigots. But we focus on it 24 seven because we want to call them stupid and prove that we're not bigots and prove that we are actually saving kids by getting some rules changed at schools here and there in certain places around the country. Did you know that we sent the ultimate warrior Chris Rufo to Florida to fix trans in our schools in Florida someday? And it's going to happen, even though Ron D. Santis, the best anti-woke champion of all time, is trying to leave Florida as fast as he can so that he can challenge wokeness in Washington, D.C. by making some real positive movement forward on the trans agenda, at least in his first term. It's going to be more of a second term thing. I mean, you wouldn't want to make Daily Wire lose their ability to produce trans content. That's where all the money comes from. That controlled opposition dichotomy on the trans stuff. Oh, big seller. Now, if you weren't so distracted by trans content 24 hours a day because Matt Walsh just couldn't stop producing it, then you might realize that the trans issue is a shiny object and that it has distracted you from much more important issues like the fact that our elections are stolen. And if we didn't have stolen elections, the trans problem would already be solved. You see, if you fix election theft and we have legitimate elections, Americans aren't going to vote for politicians who would ever put stuff like that in place. And if elections can't be stolen, then who's going to listen to the media when they try to convince us that Americans are really divided over this issue? Americans are not really divided over this issue. This issue is entirely solvable. It's especially solvable once people realize that all of the politicians and officials who have put this evil agenda into place are illegitimate and can be removed from office because of that illegitimacy. Why hasn't the Daily Wire ever focused on the illegitimacy of these politicians? Oh, it's because they're trying to preserve that controlled opposition paradigm. It's because what they do is done in service of the very regime that put those policies in place. Now, I'm not trying to make light of the trans issue, which is why I'd rather see it be solved than spend hundreds of hours a year consuming trans content from the trans news network at the Daily Wire. We actually don't need to tell each other Bud Light and Target jokes for three months in a row and then wonder why we lose and why the country's falling apart. And I know I'm not a traditional conservative, but traditional conservatives have lost the country. So whatever they were doing for the last 40 years didn't work. And if we want to solve these problems and restore conservative values and principles in our government around the country, maybe it's time to stop getting distracted by those shiny objects and focus on the thing that can solve the other problems, this one included. If you want to do something to save the children, worry about creating an accountable government by, of, and for the people so we never have stuff like this happen ever again. Sending people clips of Daily Wire shows for the next three years, hoping that they're going to get it, is not a good strategy. Now, Oliver Anthony, to the extent that he is just operating as a 
sincere, authentic, independent artist who just wants to make the music he wants to make doesn't owe anybody his political allegiance. If he wants to make songs about class struggle that evoke certain principles of American politics, he has the right to do that. He doesn't have to choose sides and become a warrior for one side or the other. Now, listen, I would love if he came out and supported Donald Trump. To my knowledge, Trump hasn't even mentioned him yet. But if he wants to be the populist champion, the bard of populism in America in 2023, and he's actually going to support values and talk about issues, I hope he's right on them. He has the right to do that, too. But the point is, we don't need to be getting our political philosophy from musicians. And we shouldn't be expecting musicians to say the things that we want them to say. We like them because they're saying the things that they want to say. And if they are saying things that you don't want to hear, then you just stop listening. But not Matt Walsh and Mike Thurnovich. They think that Oliver Anthony owes them something for blasting out their music. They're very offended that he would say he doesn't want to be associated with conservative media. He said... It's aggravating seeing certain musicians and politicians act like we're buddies and act like we're fighting the same struggle here, like we're just trying to present the same message. He said, because it's like I wrote that song about those people, that song's written about the people on that stage, referring to the Republican debate stage and a lot more, not just them, but definitely them. I see the right trying to characterize me as one of their own. I see the left trying to discredit me, I guess, in retaliation. He said, that terrifies me, the people that I sing about in that song. They've done everything they can the last few weeks to make me look like a fool, spin my words, and try to stick me in a political bucket. And they can keep trying, but I'm just going to keep on writing. Now, again, you don't have to think Oliver Anthony is a hero. You don't have to think he's a fool. You don't have to like the song. You don't have to dislike the song. Feel about it however you want. Don't get caught up and misled into some deranged form of idol worship about a musician. And we also don't need to pretend that you're going to shrivel up and die if you like the song too much. Oh, he might be tricking us a little bit. Something about this feels suspicious. Run away. It's just a song. Listen to it. Like it. Sing along with it. Or don't. Doesn't matter at all. The point is that you're thinking for yourself. Is it an op on some level? Probably. There are some things that seem inauthentic about the process of that song's release. And there are commentators out there saying that people have gone too head over heels over this song. And maybe that's true, but also who cares? Can we all just be adults and have our own thoughts and not get pulled in really dumb directions by the latest shiny object? I think that we can probably handle that for ourselves at this point without needing to get told what to do and how to feel by online influencers. Not everything needs to be a political crisis. If we find out he's being funded by George Soros or the Koch brothers or the Ron DeSantis campaign, we can reassess at that point. But the guy doesn't need to be totally disavowed because he might have said some things that line up with liberals or because he said he didn't want to be associated with conservative establishment media. I don't want to be associated with conservative establishment media. I think all of them are cucks and frauds and traitors. And I say it all the time because until you speak out about election fraud, how is anyone supposed to believe that you're even trying? And the truth is, it's been almost three years. It's kind of too late, which is why, of course, 
They are so desperate to get rid of Donald Trump. They thought all of this was going to work. Now it is obvious that none of it is working and they are freaking out. And the truth is they're completely out of touch. But let's talk about the biggest viral trend of the weekend and the greatest proof that these people are totally out of touch. And I'm talking about the response online to the Donald Trump mugshot. And again, is it an info op? Well, yeah, there are some hints that it might be because it's become so widespread and has been pushed from all corners. There is certainly reason to question the phenomenon, and we should always be skeptical. We should always question everything. But the trend I'm talking about is the viral proliferation of black Americans doing selfie videos on social media sites like TikTok and Instagram, where they are talking about how they are supporting Donald Trump and how much they support Donald Trump and how they think the black community, in quotes, should support Donald Trump. Think about when the media was lying about Donald Trump saying that there were very fine people on both sides. And if somehow you have never been exposed to this clip, it's important to know what his actual comments were. This clip was played during the second impeachment hoax. It's not a conspiracy theory. The video wasn't doctored. This is what he actually said. Think about what it means that the media has been lying about this and that the fake president has been lying about this the entire time. But you also had people that were very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. You had people in that group that were there to protest the taking down of, to them, a very, very important statue and the renaming of a park from Robert E. Lee to another name. George Washington was a slave owner. Was George Washington a slave owner? So will George Washington now lose his status? Are we going to take down, excuse me, are we going to take down, are we going to take down statues to George Washington? How about Thomas Jefferson? What do you think of Thomas Jefferson? You like him? Okay, good. Are we going to take down the statue? Because he was a major slave owner. Now we're going to take down his statue. So you know what? It's fine. You're changing history. You're changing about the neo-Nazis and the white nationalists because they should be condemned totally. But you had many people in that group other than neo-Nazis and white nationalists, okay? And the press has treated them absolutely unfairly. Now, in the other group also, you had some fine people, but you also had troublemakers, and you see them come with the, with the black outfits and with the helmets and with the baseball bats, you, got a, you, had a lot of bad, you had a lot of bad people in the other group, too. They should be condemned totally. That's all he's saying. He said there are very fine people on both sides. He means that there were good Americans standing up for what they actually believed, and there were two differing opinions. Some people did not want the statue taken down. Some people did, and they were peaceful about that, expressing their opinions as Americans, making their voices heard peacefully and patriotically, you might say. And then there were people in both groups who were very, very bad. He said it, condemned totally. What does that mean? That does not mean that he's celebrating neo-Nazis and white supremacists. He said they should be condemned totally. That was the key pillar of the Donald Trump is racist narrative. 
And then they talk about the Central Park Five, of course, and what Trump said about the Central Park Five. It turns out that just because the Central Park Five was let off for DNA evidence years later through the acts of corrupt politicians, that doesn't mean that the boys involved weren't guilty of a brutal assault and rape. They were guilty of that. You can watch video of their confessions online. You can see that the entire narrative about Donald Trump in relation to the Central Park Five is another hoax because they actually did commit a heinous crime. And then what else do you have? Mexicans are rapists and murderers. Remember that whole thing? Well, does anyone fail to understand the reality of that at this point with the illegal alien crisis that we have with the slave trade at the southern border? and all the consequences of that slave trade, the drug and human trafficking, the rape and assault that happens to, by some stats, 75% of the women who make that journey, the kidnappings and the murderers, those people are getting across the border and it's being facilitated by the cartels. And how about this flashback? I read the, I read the Washington Post. I read the Fusion. I read the Huffington Post. And that, that's about women being raped. It's not about criminals coming across the border or entering the country. Well, somebody's doing the raping, Don. I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, somebody's doing the, just think it's women being raped. Well, who's doing the raping? Mm -hmm. Who's doing the raping? Yeah. I mean, how can you say such a thing? That was Don Lemon attempting to debunk what's actually happening at the border, which is just a grave and horrible crisis by claiming that the women coming over had been raped, but it wasn't that rapists were coming into the country. Basically, the rapists just rape them south of the border and then stay down there while the women come over. What better example could we get of a fact check for this modern age? The problem itself is too devastating for the people operating the slave trade and the media covering it up. So instead, let's talk about how Trump must have slightly misspoke. But nope, somebody's doing the raping, Don. And of course, that's Don Lemon. Somebody's doing the raping. What else is the basis of the Trump is racist narrative? Maybe I'm missing something. Oh, he cozies up to white supremacist groups like the Proud Boys. It's weird how they always have feds infiltrated into all of these groups. Or maybe it's even, you know, feds starting them. But then they try to claim that Trump, because he's Republican and every other Republican, are cozied up to those groups that they call white supremacists. They call extremists. And the entire time, they ignore the fact that the Democrat Party was the party of slavery, the party of the Klan, the party of Jim Crow, and the party of a century of urban decay for black Americans. To the extent that you might even think that they're targeting black Americans like they did with the Klan, which was an effort to make sure that black Americans could not go out and elect Republicans. Isn't that crazy? Just remember, there was the old switcheroo back in the 1960s when Lyndon Johnson signed the Civil Rights Act. And all of a sudden, all of the racists became anti-racist. And all of the people who weren't racist, huh, they're racist now. And all of that is true, even though Lyndon Johnson declared this will have those N-words voting Democrat for the next 200 years. And what happens? We are constantly told that black Americans vote for Democrats at a 95% rate, despite the fact that Democrat policies 
are exactly what has so devastated black American urban communities. But yeah, Trump's the racist. It's not Democrats. But wait, wait, wait. (laughs) We wouldn't want to talk about all Democrats without talking about the fake president who himself was mentored for three decades in politics by a former Grand Klegel and Exalted Cyclops of the KKK, Robert Byrd, who was also very close with Hillary Clinton. And people say, yes, but he disavowed the Klan. And the truth is, nah, he really didn't. What he said was, it was a bad idea for young men to join the Klan if they wanted a future in politics. So he knew that it wasn't politically expedient any longer to be a Klan member. And he said that in the early 2000s, after Joe Biden had already been mentored by him for 30 years. And oh, yeah, Joe Biden wrote those crime bills that have incarcerated so many black Americans, those crime bills that his own son's activity violates while his own son goes unpunished. And you must remember that before the 2020 election, he said, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. But Trump is the racist, at least until he got booked in the Fulton County Jail and had his mugshot taken. And that mugshot went viral because over the weekend, there were countless videos of black Americans talking about how they are absolutely going to stand up for Donald Trump and be counted. Now, I have been talking for a long time about election fraud and about the Democrat Party's actual relationship with black America. And where do those combine? Well, on the point that we are always told that black Americans vote 95% for Democrats. But the thing is, where do they rack up all those votes on the backs of these black Americans that vote 95% Democrat? Oh, it's in major urban communities where they have devastated the black population. And if you know that they're stealing elections and that most of the Democrat votes come from a handful of cities around the country that they say they won through the turnout of black Americans. Well, whose votes are they stealing and on whose backs are they implementing all these policies? So I don't believe for a second that black America votes at a 95% rate for Democrats because I don't think black Americans are stupid or insane, but I'm always told That's how Democrats keep winning all these races. And I'm told that by Democrats, do they think black people are stupid or insane? I mean, they do say that black people are unable to get a government issued ID. It's not me saying that. Seems like they're about to lose black America, those Democrats and that regime, that uniparty, that now everyone who is actually in touch with what's happening can see in its full glory. It's not Democrats and Republicans. It's not left and right. It's the people against the uniparty. It's the people against the regime. And what happens when people see the regime going after someone who has broad support of the American people, they run toward the man who is being targeted by the regime. And that's Donald Trump. Donald Trump already had the Hispanic slash Latin population moving in his direction, gravitating toward him and toward MAGA. And the same thing has been true with black Americans, but now it's out there, it's public, and everybody knows it. 
And there was one of these videos that really stood out to me this weekend. I'm going to play about four minutes of it. So if you've already heard it, skip forward a few minutes. That's how long it's going to be on for. And I don't usually like playing clips that long, but I think it's worth it. So I was watching these Trump videos of him getting arrested in Atlanta. And uh, <laughs> wow, it's, it's very interesting what's going on. Um, one thing I wanted to point out is that the hood is waking up. <laughs> and what I mean by that is the uh, lower income blacks that the um, Democratic establishment has been holding on to, even they're starting to see through the bull crap. And uh, it's very evident. I'm about to show you some videos here in a second um, of Trump rolling through uh the hood in Atlanta. I used to live in Atlanta for a majority of my life. Grew up there. <clears throat> One of the reasons I left and uh, came out to the country is because of how these liberal cities are ran. Atlanta has gone downhill bad in the past uh, 10 years. But I, uh, Rice Street, uh, Rice Street is uh, the jail in Fulton County. That's what they call it because it's on Rice Street. Um, or it used to be called Rice Street. Uh, terrible jail. I've actually been incarcerated there before. It is definitely one of the worst places you could ever go to in the United States. Uh, it's a place where the uh, COs in there <laughs> may have like pink hair, gold teeth, tattoos everywhere. Like, I mean, just straight up ghetto. Like everybody there is ghetto, even officers. Um, Atlanta's very corrupt. The feds actually raided Fulton County Jail, Rice Street, for those uh, locally that know the name of it, um, because an uh, uh, inmate got shot inside the jail by another inmate, like on the upper floors. Uh, <laughs> how does that happen exactly? Uh, but uh, after they raided it, they found like keys of cocaine, they found pounds of weed. I mean, it's just a ratchet, ratchet place. Um, I hate that place. It's like definitely not one of my favorite places to be. That's a whole long story uh, how I ended up there, but it was a long time ago in my uh, rattlesnake days. Let's just say that. <laughs> but my point is this, is that uh, even the lower income blacks who are most beholden to uh, this leftist ideology and they're victims of it. Um, they're starting to even realize that they've been lied to, that they've been pimped out um, and a lot of them are not afraid to speak out anymore. <clears throat> um, this is a problem for the Democrats. I mean, think about it. They lose that base, which I've talked about in uh, earlier videos about how the Democrats want to control the black population so that they can control um, the edge on the vote. Typically, historically, uh, the country's been divided by white voters, 50-50, pretty much 50% Democrat, 50% Republican. So if they control the black population, then they have that edge to take them over um, and uh, win presidential elections. And, that, and that's obviously, <clears throat> um, you know, at a time when elections weren't cheated on as much as they are now. I mean, it's just out of control. So now the thing is, is that they definitely have to cheat because there's, if you didn't believe they cheated last time, which I definitely do, I know they cheated. Uh, for those of you that were skeptical and for those of you that did not believe it, 
you have no choice but to believe that they're going to do it this time. I mean, they're already doing it with all these indictments and stuff. But uh, understand that because of that, we're about to go into lockdown. There, there's no way they're going to allow a real election, especially when the base that they've been controlling this entire time is not even going for the bullshit anymore. Now, I've said many times, I'm not worried about these indictments. These indictments aren't even real as far as I'm concerned. I don't believe Trump is in any legal danger whatsoever. The charges are ridiculous. The real world evidence doesn't prove the prosecution's case. It proves the defense's case. And the interpretations of the law are so bad that all of this would be overturned, even if they are able to achieve some conviction of the quote unquote former president. But what's playing out in public now is having a major impact. People are waking up and understanding the point of all of this. They are understanding what the regime is willing to do in order to hold on to power. Not one of the people out there gleeful about these indictments has any idea what the indictments are even for. And I hear from them online all day. The experts and commentators out there who are cheering on these indictments are jumping through hoops on all of them and then admitting that the charges will be very hard to prove. And that's why they're going for so many other options on how to get rid of Donald Trump and how to keep him from running. That's why they're trying to literally take his name off the ballots in different states. And while there's a lot of these videos from just random people on their cell phones, there are also a bunch of Black American rappers who are out there supporting Donald Trump, people with wide followings, communicating to a massive number of people saying, you know what, guys, Trump is actually the guy. Look at what he's dealing with. If you think that's your enemy and not those other people, then you need to wake up fast. That's what people are seeing now. And when black America joins MAGA, who is going to pretend that the conservative establishment is right, that Donald Trump just can't win a general election. Nobody's going to believe that. These people are so out of touch. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.CancelCouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree linktree.com slash I'm your moderator and I'll see you soon out on the range In my mind, that's the end game.
Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm Your Moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm Your Moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!